Hello, welcome to the latest version of uh, the Happy Manifesto podcast. I'm Henry. And I'm Maureen Ekbe. And today is with Michelle Hill. And what I, uh, what I love about, uh, about this podcast is that we talk to people who actually create happy workplaces, which is what Michelle has done. Maureen, tell me what your joy at work is or joy away from work. Well, yes, it's joy away from work for um, this time because it's my it was my birthday and I was celebrating my birthday. Um, 23 again. Absolutely. <laughs> and so the joy was actually taking time out to celebrate me in the Netherlands. So I went to Rotterdam. Fantastic experience. I love Rotterdam. Oh, I've never been there. You've never been there? I've been to Amsterdam, but not to Rotterdam. I was going to say, because it's the world of cycling out there. Indeed, it is, isn't it? It really inspired me to really just do a lot more cycling. Oh, excellent. Yes. So that was my joy. And what's your joy? Well, I went to Korea a couple of weeks ago. I went to speak at a conference and I went to do a one-day a version of the the Happy Workplace program and careers interesting because it traditionally was very hierarchical, long hours culture. In fact, um, it was only a couple of years ago that the government set the maximum working time down from sixty eight hours to fifty two hours. Just fifty two hours. Fifty two hours. But I was chatting to people there, and they said, "What what what will we be able to do? We'll have to." We would have to take up hobbies or something. Um, <laughs> they could go cycling. <laughs> they could go, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but what was interesting about the One Day programme was uh, there was a professor there who's going to be chair of the uh, for a year of the Korean Business Federation, and he's very keen on happy management. In fact, you know, they were, they were all quite keen. They've, uh, the happy manifesto is now in Korean, and they all um, were very keen to have the author of it there, and they all took a selfie with me, you know. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, and so but the key, but the thing about career is that when they go for something, they really go for it. So I'm really quite hopeful that they might actually put in place some happy management ideas. So we'll have to keep watching this space. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't mind if you take me to Korea with you next time, Henry. Just say <laughs> <laughs> May well do, Maureen, may well do. <laughs> Okay, over now to Michelle Hill. Today we have Michelle Hill, who is Chief Executive of TLC. So um, tell me, Michelle, what does TLC do? So TLC is a relationship charity. We're based in Greater Manchester, but delivering services across the country. So a whole range of services all designed to have, help people have safe, healthy, happy relationships. We have worked quite a bit with you, haven't we? Um, so tell me how how you've created a happy workplace at TLC. Well, I suppose just start by saying I think you know, I think we've got a happy workplace. I think that's what I would say at the moment. It always feels like you've got to be careful, doesn't it, when you say that? But I suppose happy workplaces, we've got loads of bits and pieces that we do. But we've recently just some training that you've done with us. So we've trained all of our frontline managers and all of our aspiring managers in what it means to be a happy leader, and they're currently working really hard to try and work out how do they implement that. And the first thing they're doing is working out what's TLC's approach to line management going to be. So kind of lifting up all of that learning that they've done from the training and then so a, a TLC, TLC approach to line management. And what is a TLC approach to line management? Well, so I don't really know yet because they've not finished it. So it's very kind of piece of work that's led by the team. But I think things like um, 
flexibility, like meeting people where they want to be met. So that's, you know, that might be a meeting, that might be a walk, that might be a coffee shop, that might be lunch, and a mixture of coaching, personal development, career progression work. So I think lots of approaches that are all very much based on the person and what's appropriate for them, rather than just people in a box and following a a more formulaic client management approach. And very much based on people. Very much based on people, yeah. So the other thing that we've done is that we've got... um, Three new TLC values, which are safe, authentic, and person-centered. That's our three values for the organization that have come through a kind of year-long process of staff engagement and consultation. Um, So we've had like a working group who've been putting it together, and it kind of culminated back in December. We had an all-staff conference. So they've got 150 people in the team, so 150 people who voted in a collaborative way on the kind of three values that we were going to have. So safe, authentic, person-centered were the three that came out. And they're now doing lots of work in terms of how do we bring that to life? So what does it mean to be an organization who is safe, authentic, and person-centered? So in theory, everything that we do, every leadership decision, every business decision should be tested against those three values. And if we're not living those values, then there should be an opportunity for people to hold us to account against that. And this is very much not based on you deciding what, what uh, happened, but on them deciding. Absolutely. So there's more and more like that. So we've also got a um, staff improvement group, which is a group of uh, a number of staff across the organisation who have uh, the opportunity to kind of critique the organisation and suggest things that need to, we need to do differently. So it's led by um, a couple of members of staff across the organisation who just put their hand up and were excited to lead it. And they do loads of things, so like defining what our staff survey looks like, defining what staff communication looks like, telling us things that we do well and also things we could do a lot better. So it's very much around decisions being made across the organisation rather than just in a hierarchical way. Right. So do you make any decisions? I'm trying to make less and less, I think. I probably do still make some, um, but we're definitely going for that kind of coaching approach. We've got um, a succession and progression plan at the moment so that everybody looks like we've got a kind of whole rate like a menu of options around if people want to have a look at their own career progression in the organization that might be in terms of growing their role in the organization or it might be about developing mastery in the role that they do they recognize that succession is not always about like becoming a manager it could be about just being brilliant at what you do so there's a whole range of things there which is like being coached by somebody different in the organization shadowing people observing things more formal training opportunities so the idea that people can kind of plan their own career path, ideally to their organisation or, or into others if that's what they need to do. But coaching is a, a big part of that. So you have two tracks of promotion, one for people who want to manage people and one for just being good at their core job. Yeah, so that's, that's the plan. So I'd say we're not quite there with it yet. And it's, you know, it's, we're learning and developing as we go. But the plan is that um, some people want to manage people, don't they? And some people are good at that and some people don't and are brilliant at the roles that they do. Um, and we get better at it and do more at it. So we're trying to create two different streams where people can choose what they need to do to succeed and, and, and progress. But they're in, they're in charge of their own destiny and career path, really. And tell me a little bit about pre-approval. You've, I think you've done some of that, haven't you? We've done lots of stuff around pre-approval, yeah. So around giving people the information that they need to make the decisions and then giving them freedom to go ahead and, and, and lead what that looks like. So I suppose at the moment, one of the things that we've got is we've got three staff networks in the organisation. So that's 
networks for staff with protected characteristics. So we've got a for staff who identify as people of colour, one for staff who identify as LGBTQIA+, and one for staff who've got a disability. And the, the staff with a disability one came out of a staff suggestion. So at our induction day into the organisation, we talk about the staff networks and say quite openly, like, you know, we, we might not have the right ones. If you want to put yourself, if you think of what we're missing, let us know. If you want to lead one, let us know. Um, and the staff, the staff, the network for staff with a disability came out of that. So that was a new member of staff who said, I've got a disability. I don't know what my network is. And they then set it up and led it. But approvals pretty key to the way the networks work. So it's a paid facilitator role. So that all the members of staff across the organisation in different roles, but paid in a leadership role for 10 hours a month to facilitate that work. And um, have some time every six weeks with me in terms of what they the what the network are finding out, and the plan is that they um, are both a safe space for people in the organisation, but also somewhere that that group of people in that network can lead the organisation, so can challenge us on what we need to do better, can hold us down, can suggest things that we need to do. But the pre-approval is almost that they've got a kind of remit that with anything within their protected characteristic they can challenge and lead on so there's been some amazing things so the staff the network for staff with disability have led to kind of massive changes in our staff sickness policy they didn't think our staff sickness policy was appropriate about people in probation so they've changed that our um, people of color group have suggested that we adopt the halo code which is around people being encouraged to wear their hair in their own cultural style and that being something that's recognized and celebrated they've prayer and well-being room in the organization so there's somewhere for people to go and pray um they've led kind of celebration events so our, our lgbtq network are currently leading all our activity around pride across the northwest so there are eight prides i think that they're, they're trying to attend over the summer period so we're massive changes in the organization but directly like linked to that kind of pre-approval of that network facilitator and that network and off they go and run with it and so it sounds like you've got some fabulous bits of well-being in the organisation. Do you still manage to deliver? <laughs> we did, and actually, it, I think it's that thing. You know, what our, our, one of our sayings is around people bringing their whole self to work, and if our, one of our values is being authentic, and we're a relationship charity, we want to invest as much time in our team and their own relationships at work, and we want to have you know a workplace where they want to be valued and they want to stay and. They want to do their best. And I think the more we invest in well-being and the team being happier, the better the results are. So the the growth in the last few years in terms of the number of people that we work with and people that we support and the areas that we serve, it's just been phenomenal. But so much led by the team. And we've got people who've been with us all the way through the journey, lots of different roles, lots of different stages. And it's a lovely place to be. You know, we make mistakes, but hopefully we've open about that and learn from them and don't shy away from them um, because you can't take risks without getting some things wrong. Um, But yeah, there's definitely a direct correlation to people feeling like they've got a shape in leading what the organisation does and stands for and the results that we have. It's it's definitely a causal link. So happy staff leads to happy customers. 100%. 
100%. And, <laughs> and if it were a relationships charity, if we don't do it, then who does do it? <laughs> no, indeed. indeed. <laughs> That's what it says on the tin, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And any other ways you create a happy workplace? Some of what we've done is around giving people the opportunity to form relationships across the organisation. So friendships and, you know, being somewhere that you want to come to work. And so some of that has been about recognising that we do a People to ask, well, our team do really, really hard jobs. So they work with people when they're in a really difficult place and they need somewhere to kind of decompress. So psychological safety really matters to us. So part of that's around having really good clinical supervision and, you know, spaces for them to go. But it's also been around actually that network of social activity. So we've got our kind of network, staff networks, which are all about protected characteristics. And then we've got a whole series of um, staff activities which are completely voluntary if people want to join in them nobody has to but we've got Dungeons and Dragons sessions that happen once a month we've got a, a book group that meets and we've got a, a group for staff who are going through the menopause and we've got a mental health first aiders and we've got a whole series of kind of interactive staff activities we've got a social committee who are all, always organising different social activities and asking for increased levels of budget to be able to do that and like a series of team building activities. So all designed around creating relationships across the team. So that again, it's that thing about, I think I remember being on it, something that you, I think, said, Henry, around, you know, people wanting a best friend at work. So, you know, people want to feel that connection in the organisation. So we invest quite a lot of time in that. And at the same time, then trying to create an opportunity where we're non as non-hierarchical as possible in the way that we work. So we do a coffee and cake session with me, every month which is a come and come and drink coffee I don't drink coffee but it's normally come and drink coffee and eat cake but the opportunity to either hear as much as you want about what's happening at TLC with as as being as transparent as possible um or sometimes we just sit and chat about TV and holidays but again it's that kind of real openness around what's happening and then last year at the end of the beginning of this year I spent a period of time meeting everybody individually in the organisation. So you met all 150 people? I did, and it was the highlight of my day every day. <laughs> so just the opportunity to connect with people, find out what drives them, why they work for TLC, what matters to them. It was definitely the most inspiring thing I've done in the last 12 months. But again, all kind around that kind of how do you create connection and how do you hear honestly what people think and what matters to them. So it sounds like you're a people person. Yes, I think I am. Yeah, I think that you think I think you kind of have to be in a relationship sector. Absolutely. So you've been in this role since I think 2013. Is that right? Oh gosh, yeah. So we, first few years we were relate great to Manchester South, and then we formed TLC on the first of April 2017. Okay. And how have you moved from? Presume that were you originally a hierarchical organisation to, to 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 what you've done now? Well. I think we've got an interesting story. So we, 2000, when I joined, we'd been in the Relate Federation since the 1980s and um, quite a traditional relationship counselling organisation. And, and actually that was a, it was a, a vote of all of our members of staff at the time, all our volunteers and all of our trustees. And it was a unanimous decision to leave the Federation and set up independently. So I suppose when we set up, we had some of the traditions of an organisation that had been around for a while, but also lots of energy and creativity as a start-up. And I think it's that approach that we've tried to keep all the way through. So we're, a, you know, we're a charity, we're a registered charity, we're a company limited by guarantee in terms of our structure. 
but we operate much more entrepreneurially than that, really. So we see ourselves kind of in that social entrepreneurial marketplace, really. So it's not wanting to recreate really traditional structures, but we're able to move quickly to meet where demand is and to meet people where they need. So have you always wanted to go to this level or has it been a journey uh, over time? It's 100% been a journey and it still is a journey. So we've only, we went national about 12 months ago and we've always been in the north and we've just started to work in the south. So we're in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire in a project that arrived last week, which is definitely not the north. So it's a journey that's changing. And I think probably the bit of anything that keeps me up at night is how do we keep the culture as we grow and change? You know, so it was easy when we're all based in one building and then the pandemic changed that. And then post-pandemic, we had to work differently. And now we're operating nationally. How do you get that culture across to people who maybe don't come into where our head office is or based in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire? How do they get the sense of who we are when we're not with them all the time? And I think we're just going to have to keep learning and trying and doing new things. That is really interesting, isn't it? So how did the pandemic change things? How did, Has it affected the culture? I think it has, I think, in a positive way. So we were quite buildings-based before, probably partly because we'd got buildings. So we, we owned a building and we were in a long-term lease and therefore that's what you do. And then during the pandemic, because like most organisations, financially we were up against it at the beginning, we had to think quite creatively. And like everybody, you know, you pivot to online delivery like we all did back in 2020. And then without a building, we had to work differently at how you created a culture and in some ways it's been really positive so like we do coffee and cake but we do a virtual coffee and cake really regularly so at the moment we just had to uh, got some messages out around our kind of national growth and our new Bedfordshire um, program and it I managed to speak to about a quarter of the organization in a day like either either on a team's call or a zoom call or in person we could never have got messages out like that previously and that kind of connection with people is easier. So, But we're very much now believing in people. I've got the choice. So some people prefer face-to-face, you know, in-person communication. Some people working remotely works really well for them. So as an organisation, we've, we've, we've given people the choice about how much they're in the office. So we trusted people to work. And I'm like, why shouldn't we now? Absolutely. And in terms of your clients, the, you know, the, the, the people with the, you know, have the relationships, presumably beforehand, they, you always worked with them in person. Did, what's, what's the case now? Do you work in person or, or, or online? A bit of both. So it's a real mixture again. So what we're trying to do is give the people that we work with, the clients we work with, the choice of how they want to engage with us and to engage with us in the way that they think is right for them. Some of our group work has been better in person, but some of it's worked really, really well online. So where we've got really, we do a lot of work around domestic abuse. We do work around families and couples who are separating. Actually, sometimes online is safe and easier to navigate and people can find us outside of distractions. But then our work with children and young people is much, much better in person when you're sat in a room with a child, young person, and you're doing a group. But now it's very much around giving people the choice about how they want to engage you know some people love screens don't they now and that's the that's the way they want to engage. some people are desperate to get off them at the end of the day yes yes indeed um 
And so tell us, how, how does Happy helped you? Because we've done quite a bit of training with you. How, how have we helped you? Well, so I suppose this, starting off with me, I have done quite a bit of, a bit of time with you in lots of different ways. And that's really helped shape my view of leadership, I think. And I came in to leadership and came into a chief exec role believing that it was all around people maybe didn't quite know how to do some of it as we've grown. And I think there's always a balancing act, isn't there? Because, you you know, you, you're worried about your bottom line. You're worried about how much money you've got in the bank. You're worried about the performance of the organisation. So I don't know if, for me, one of the things was almost the permission around focusing on people and being in your workplace was a, a good business decision, as well as, a, you know, as, as well as a nice thing to do. And it made business sense. So I think that was really helpful for me because I think I wanted to hear that because that's the way I would anyway. But then we've done some work with all of our teams. So happy I've done some training for us with our senior leadership team, with all of our frontline managers and with our aspiring leaders in the organisation. So all around implementing that approach to happy, happy management, happy leadership across all areas of the organisation. And that's been brilliant, really, really brilliant. And you can see the nuggets of it starting to shine through. You can see people train pre-approval. You can see people thinking differently around team development, um, coaching rather than telling. You can see it starting to change. You can see people asking questions, trying to drive decisions down as much as you can so the decisions are made by the person who needs to make them and they're not always just set back up again. And I think the happy leadership work has really made us think around learning. And we've also, so what the thing is, one of our senior team has been on the happy MBA it's been brilliant as well to see to see Emily go through the kind of real embedding of that happy leadership approach, you know, and kind of real like level of detail with it. But I think it's led to this approach to learning across the organisation. So we've just launched, um, or we're just about to launch actually, something called the Innovation Hub, which is our opportunity of testing out new projects, new ways of working. So at the moment, it's very much thinking about AI and how do we use AI in the organisation. How will you use AI in the organisation? In lots of ways, I think, but in a way that's human-centric, in a way that recognises that it can strengthen organisations and people, but we don't want it to take away from people. But the leadership approach and the, the happy training things led to this innovation hub, which is very much around people learning and trying. And actually, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's okay. And we lots of learning circles where we try and learn from where it hasn't worked and work out what we can implement to make it better. But that, that thing that failure is okay and we, and we all make mistakes. And, and, and hopefully, so we've had a coaching session today with a couple of members of staff who are going to be TLC ambassadors in Manchester for us. So we'll represent our organisation externally. And we were doing some coaching today. And one of the things that we talked about is like, you know, we've, we've got you back. It's okay to go into meetings and say the wrong thing or to think you're right and then panic and make a mistake. And there's something about knowing that your organisation's got you back in that and that you, it's it's a safe space to have a go. So of course, you know, Happy talks about celebrating mistakes. Do you, do, you, do you go with that? Well, so I would say I think we've got further to go on it, if I'm honest. I think for me, it, it links to our value of being authentic and that's authentic about what goes well, but also what doesn't. So opening up about the mistakes that we make. And I suppose I try and do it by example. So I try and be like really open about where I've tried things. Or where, you know, where you're nervous or where you've not prepared as well as you should have done or where you feel like you've got into a situation you could have done better or where we've made the wrong decisions. I try and be really open about it in the conversations that I have. 
and the conversations I have with my team. And then you do hear people start to do the same. So we're not quite at the stage of having a kind of formal celebration of it. Um, although I think some teams are further down the line. So our, we've got business intelligence and a team of data analysts. And um, they very much do every project. They do a kind of celebration of what's gone wrong, what's gone well. And, and they learn from and they kind of recognize mistakes and, and just put it into the next project. So what do you do with data analysis then? What's the... So we've got a, so a huge amount of data around the services that we deliver and the impact that they have. So all about, you know, do services, do the services we deliver make relationships safer, healthier, happier, but huge amount of data. And what we try and do is put data at people's fingertips so that our, so it's all available, it's all cloud-based. So it's all available at the touch of a button so that teams can see how they're performing, you know, how that compares to other teams. They've got, we measure the distance traveled for people. So what, how, how is their relationship at the beginning? How is it partway through? How is it at the end? So how can you see the impact that we've, that we've made? And the data um, analyst team, the business intelligence team are brilliant at helping us learn from that. So, you know, what's the impact in one part of the country compared to the other? What's the impact for uh, with people with different demographics? You know, are we reaching the communities that we're that we're in? Are we underrepresented in some, overrepresented in others? So, how do we use data to make services better, but also then make it accessible? And tell me your three tips for a happy workplace. So, three tips. One is being authentic. So, bring bringing your whole self to work, and doing that so that you enable others to do that. Number two is about always listening and being open to ideas and recognising that ideas come from anywhere. And often the best ideas aren't the ones you have yourself, they're the ones that other people... Oh, absolutely, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the third one's about being happy to fail. So recognise that if you want to do something new or exciting or you want to make a real difference and make a real impact, you don't always get it right. And okay, as long as you commit to learning from it and being open about it, that's the three things. So I think my three are all really about psychological safety and authenticity and being person-centered, which is our three values. But I think <laughs> directly across to a happy workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Michelle, for that. You're very welcome. Lovely to speak to you. Oh, that was really good. Michelle's awesome. There's so much in there. You know, I mean, from the outset, the values, you know, safe, authentic, person-centred and being brave enough to actually challenge and really find out what does that mean to the organisation, not just coming up with just words for values, but, you know, actually trying to live it and incorporate it and make sure that everybody's involved and making sure that they live to their values. Absolutely. And I just love it when people actually do put into practice the ideas of, of happy workplaces, you know, and it, it, what's clear from from that is that it, it's become a really great, great culture at uh, TLC. And it, again, the simplest things of that, you know, if people are happy at work, then your customers are going to be happy also. So, um, do we view this podcast, if you like? Let us know on your favourite platform. Send us a message, review, give us a thumbs up, share some ideas. And remember the actual happy site? The podcast site is Happy Manifesto. The happy site is www.happy.co.uk. So do check us out as well. So, Henry, I think it's just left to everybody just going forward and creating happy workplaces. There you go. Bye for now. Bye.